Comic Book Characters is an uncensored podcast. You can follow the Comic Book Characters podcast on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Neil Before Pod. We're also on Twitter at Twitter handle CB Characters, and you can also email us at cbcharacters at gmail.com. Hey, how's it going? This is Ig, and you're listening to a new issue of Comic Book Characters. This week, we have an extremely spoilerific discussion of Ant-Man, what we liked, what we didn't like. A sample of some of the questions we address... Was Hope a step in the right direction for female characters in comic book movies, or just another example of Marvel short-shrifting the fair sex? Was Michael Pena funny? Does Ant-Man have a bit of a race problem? And how much does my wife love Paul Rudd? That, and so much more, on this week's issue of Comic Book Characters. Let's do it. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to a new episode, a new issue of Comic Book Characters, the number one podcast about comics hosted by Hispanic people. Number one. Look that up. Uh, Ranked. Um, Anyway, this week we got a lot of stuff to talk about, including the big news, which is Ant-Man. We're going to give you guys a full Ant-Man review and what we think about it. But that's going to be later on in the show. We're going to start with a couple other things instead. But before we do that, I'm going to introduce my co-host. And before I do that, I'm going to unveil my new nickname, which I, I don't know, I'm kind of on the fence about. But we've decided I'm going to start going with Invincible Ig. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if that takes off. If you don't like it, let us know. If you have a better one, please let us know. But joining me as always, the guy with a million nicknames, the affable, alluring, astonishing, amazing, friendly neighborhood podcaster, Alfred. How's it going, dude? It is going very well here in Alfred Industries, um, which is Oh, that's right. I messed up. I was going to say I was the president. (laughs) President of Snark Industries. Yeah, uh, that I did like not. That. Okay, it's hard for me to say that with a straight face. That's okay. I um, like it. I like the president of Snark Industries, though. And you're such a huge Iron Man mark. You know, it it fits. Um, yeah, Invincible Ig. Feel like we need another word in there, though. Like the Invincible, mm. the Icon Invincible Ig, or something of that nature. I don't know. Um, yeah, I like the icon. <clears throat> the icon, yeah, that's good. Uh, President of Stark <laughs> Industries, I'm I'm on board with that. Uh, yeah, dude, we've got so much to cover. Uh, we took a little break, uh, kind of to let everyone, uh, I guess, digest or enjoy the giant San Diego Comic Con podcast we did uh, with the help of our correspondent Tim Hennessy. Uh, Big shout well, out to Tim. Really, really that was awesome. 
we got yeah. that bit of audio after we recorded it, so uh, we weren't able to appropriately express our gratitude on the show. Mm-hmm. But uh, thanks, Tim, because that was great. Um, like you said on the show last week, or yeah, I guess last week, um, we asked, we just asked him to give us five minutes, uh, and he gave us fifteen. But I'm glad that he did because it, um, it was all gold. I mean, it was great. It was all gold, and honestly, I don't know how he would have been able to actually tell that story in five minutes. It would have had to be. He would have had to like really rush through it. It would have been the pixels of of segments. Oh, okay. Taking a shot at Pixels. The oh, movie. Uh, yeah. yeah. Cheap shot. Cheap shot. Um, uh, but anyway, uh, thanks a lot, Tim. That was awesome to have that on the show, and it was great to hear a first-person account of Comic-Con. Yeah, I mean, and, I, and I'm not going to lie, fan. dude. I mean, just hearing him talk about it um, makes me really want to go. We got we to gotta go, dude. We got to figure this out. We got to get oh there. We got to get we there. We got to go so hard. We just need to anyway, go. Anyway, dude. We need to go. Anyway, uh, we've got so we, we, much we, to cover yeah. this week. We got a lot of stuff to cover, including, of course, the big news being Ant-Man and a lot of people talking about it and, I guess, you know, comic book fans. But before we do that, let's do kind of a quick roundup of some of the news of the yeah. last couple of weeks. Do it. In a little segment we like to call Casting Corner. Casting Corner. Thank you for that. Um, okay, dude. A couple of casting news. Let's start with some of the big stuff. Um. Oh, actually, what is the big stuff this week? I guess Chris Pine going to yeah. be in the next Wonder Woman movie. Yeah, that's more relevant because he's not going to be Green Arrow. Green Lantern, which doesn't mean that he. I'm sorry, yeah, Green Lantern, which doesn't mean he can't be Green Lantern, but right. probably he won't be Green Lantern. They I mean, could though. I mean, they could because he's going to be playing a character by the name of Steve Trevor. Two first names, great. That's right. uh, always very alarming to me. Um, but Steve Trevor, who's a love interest for Wonder Woman. Um, they could end up making Steve Trevor a Green Lantern member because they're a core of people. Um, That's a good point. I didn't even consider that, but yeah, I guess you're right. But I guess what probably what I think you were speaking to though is that if he's Steve Trevor, he's obviously not going to be Hal Jordan, uh, which is what a lot of people were sort of postulating about or hypothesizing about that he might be Hal Jordan. Well, this obviously puts the kibosh on that. He's actually going to be Steve Trevor. That's done. Maybe could still be a Green Lantern at some point. I, you know, I don't really know what Steve's going to be up to in terms of his character within the within the show. So, uh, yeah. or within the movie uh, or movies. Yeah, right. I mean, he's going to be. Is he like a love interest for Wonder Woman? Yeah, exactly. Is that what he's going to play. He's, okay. he's that's exactly what he is or who he is, and. Um, I'm sure he's going to be much more involved than just that, but, you know, we'll have to see. Wait and see. Um, what do you think, though? I mean, do you think that's a good get for DC? I know we've talked about it a little bit in previous episodes or issues of combo characters, but you like Chris Pine? I like that. It's funny that he's going to be, like, you know, the love interest for Wonder Woman. Because this is a Wonder Woman movie mm-hmm. that we're talking about that he's going to be in. Right. Um yeah, that's a big get. I mean, it's almost like it's kind of like how Marvel got Natalie Portman to be Thor's love interest. Like she was probably a bigger star than 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 Chris who's Hemsworth. Chris Hemsworth. Was. Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. It's a good uh, good reference. Uh, yeah, I would definitely say uh, Chris Pine is a bigger star at this point than uh, Gal Gadot. I think is how you say your name. Um, the other it's interesting to, thing, yeah. uh, uh, just the other interesting thing is, I think uh, spoilers. I guess if you just think about it, if you know, obviously, there's a Wonder Woman movie coming out after Batman vs Superman. We know Wonder Woman's going to be in Batman vs Superman. Clearly, Wonder Woman does not get killed in Batman vs Superman because they're making a Wonder Spoiler Woman movie. Spoiler alert! Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but that's okay. I mean, 
It's you not probably, like anyone thought she would die. Yeah. I mean, and that's, I'm still like really, like I kind of forget that Wonder Woman's in that movie. In there, right? Even though they, <laughs> she's in the trailer. She's in but the yeah, trailer. But yeah, I almost like, I don't, I just, I feel like I'm really worried that BVS, because you, know, you know, we said before, I'm actually more excited about it now, but I'm still worried that it's going to suffer from Spider-Man 3 syndrome. Where they're I just agree. cramming way too much in it, and I'm, it, it makes me a little nervous. But um, so going from that to a complete opposite side of the spectrum, for a, a movie that has so much going forward in BVS, maybe too many characters, to a singular film, solo <laughs> film, if you will. Okay. Huge news, I feel, this week, and actually has not been confirmed yet, still sort of in the rumor stage, but I've seen a couple of places that are pretty much sticking by it. Channing Tatum to leave Gambit, uh, which is supposed to start shooting later this year. And if I remember correctly, he was at San Diego Comic-Con at the Fox panel with all the other X-Men actors and characters. Just playing cards? Yeah, he's just, yeah, he's just, you know, playing uh, playing some Go Fish. Yeah, uh, Solitaire. Um but yeah, word is uh, just within the last couple of days that I mean I've just seen article after article popping up about there's been some kind of uh, disconnect or discord between him. He was actually one of the producers on Gambit. And My theory is that he he just tried to do <laughs> the Louisiana accent, yeah, and just couldn't couldn't do it. And they're just like, or do you think he took himself out of it, or do you think, I think they he took told himself him out of it? He's like, yeah. I'm gonna look like a fool trying yeah. to do this like weird Bayou kind of French yeah. accent. I like, guarantee. That's good. You yeah. want to put your name in the mix, dude? Uh, yeah. Alfred, Alfred is in. So I know. Do you I hear mean, that? This is <laughs> unfortunately this isn't a Marvel Studios film because I know we have some sway with Kevin Feige. Uh, it's you a got Fox, Fox? Film. I have no Fox contact. Okay. So well, just throwing it out there though. Um. Yeah, dude, what do you think about that? Like, I've actually read some things where they said that if Channing Tatum is actually leaving the project, that they should just shelve the project completely and not do it. Yeah, that's, I mean, I don't know, dude. I mean, he definitely has the look mm-hmm. down. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not not down, but, like, I could see him doing a good oh, yeah. gambit. Um, I don't, but I don't know, like, if he can pull off the accent. That's the really only tricky part about gambit. And you almost wish that they could just scrap the stupid accent and just make him like a badass. Yeah, I like, mean, well, you know, it's like it's like the, it's like every movie in Boston. Like every character has to have a Boston accent. It's like no, not really. Like when you go to Boston, not that many people. Actually I've speak been to Boston. Boston. You live in Boston. Not everyone right. talks like that. Like the people in Southie, maybe. Right. And like make him from Louisiana, but just make him talk like us, like a normal. I know. You know yeah, without I know an people, accent. I know. Uh, not from... normal. I don't mean to sound like. I don't mean to say that like if you have a Louisiana accent. <laughs> no, you said you're it. like abnormal. It hates like, Louisianans. <laughs> I mean, like you know, what, what's the word for like a nondescript kind of like accent? Non colloquial. Like accent? Yeah, whatever. Um, yeah. um, I I know people. It's going to be Louis- distracting. I know people from Louisiana who don't sound like that. That they just sound like you know anyone else. And yeah. So, yeah, you could totally do it. I know that there would probably be some backlash from the hardcores being like, he needs to have the accent, you know. But I think if it means that you get to keep Channing, and we don't even know that this is why he's he actually left or not, but if, if it means you get to keep Channing Tatum attached to your project, then you work with it. Like, you make it work. Uh, you keep Channing. You keep you, Channing. You keep Channing. You keep make Channing, Channing you keep, happy. You keep Channing along. You know, okay. like chug, really chugging along. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, but 
Uh, last thing on that is that I think that Fox originally agreed to do the film once Channing Tatum came on board. Like, that's really the only reason they greenlit the film to begin with. So if this is true, we may have lost a uh, one of the superhero films coming out in the next few years. Kind of a bummer, but I mean, I don't know. I, I wasn't I didn't really have high hopes for this Gambit movie anyway, but it would have been cool, I guess. It would have been interesting to see Channing Tatum kind of enter that world <laughs> and see if maybe he could have gotten into like the X-Men. Maybe that's yeah. the movie. It's like him trying to get into the X-Men. That's like the whole plot. It's just like, come on, guys. I'm like, see, he's like a thief in the comic. I would feel like maybe him trying to steal some tech or some yeah. thing from the X-Men. That would be a good story. I feel that they could tell. Maybe a I little do. Ant-Man adjacent. But anyway, uh, let's move on. Um, let's go into the voice acting world. Okay. Uh, we know that DC is going to be making The Killing Joke and Adam an, into an animated movie, which sounds mm-hmm. interesting. It's a super yeah. dark series. It'll be interesting to see if they can kind of match that darkness. Yeah. Questions about if they're really going to match some of like the really heinous things that, that, that the Joker yeah. does in that movie. Um, but I know this is big news to you. Um, you <laughs> subscribe to... Um, I believe voice acting magazine, right? Voice or, acting or, monthly, weekly. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're a huge fan, and I know that you're not alone in thinking that the best Joker, at least in the voice acting world, is Mark Hamill. And guess what, dude? Mark Hamill is going to be playing the Joker in this movie. You got to be just fucking walking on sunshine right now. Yeah, I am. I mean, I'm literally following the yellow brick road of sunshine. You know, like. Yeah. Mark Hamill, to me, and I know I've said this before, is is the Joker. Like, I know it was just voice acting, but he he is able to convey the essence of that character better than any person that's ever played the character. You know, a, a you know live action or animated doesn't matter. Um, he had originally retired from the role. He said he wasn't going to do it anymore. Um, once he got wind that they were actually going to do the killing joke as an animated film, he was like, okay, wait, if you're going to tell that story or try to tell that story, I mean, that's for many people, the definitive Joker story. And he wanted to do the voice. And I think as soon as they realized that he was wanting to do it, that then it was a no brainer at that point. Right. Um, really happy. There's also a rumor that uh, Kevin Conroy is going to be, is going to be Batman who was the voice of Batman in the animated series. Um, that isn't official yet. Uh, I think they're having some kind of discussions. Hopefully he comes on too. Cause I mean, those two guys work so well with one another. Um, but yeah, having Mark Hamill and the killing joke. I think the other thing that's really cool about this is they're making a killing joke animated film. Um, and now you might be, you know, like you said, you might wonder, can they really convey some of those storylines that are in that that story? Can they convey some of the beat, the plot points into an animated film that's not like an R-rated film? Yeah, because um, they're gonna they probably will push up to PG thirteen. They've done that in the past, um, and I think they're gonna allude to some things, but it's gonna be tricky. But DC, and this is the one thing, and we really don't give DC enough credit for this when it comes to the animated films. DC knocks them out of the park. They've taken a ton of their rich history and storylines and story arcs and con- converted them, translated them into animated films beautifully. They're really well done. Um, the All-Star Superman animated film is its brilliant. It's so good. 
Um, whereas Marvel, they do their own set of animated films, but they really aren't in the same league. They're not in the same part. DC really has Marvel over a barrel in the animated sense. Uh, a lot of that has to do with Bruce Tim, who is a producer and was one of the main guys that started uh, Batman the Animated Series. But anyway, uh, tangent over Mark Hamill as the Joker is always a great thing. Happy to have it. I'm really glad they're making the clean joke. Can't wait to see it. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm curious too. I'm, I'm going to definitely check that out when it comes out. A couple more casting news. Um, Rachel McAdams may be in the new Doctor Strange movie. That's a big if. We don't know. I'm not even sure what character she would play. Big capital Uh, I, capital F. Uh, uh, Probably Doctor Strange's love interest. Maybe maybe she's Tilda Swinton's love interest. Like Maybe she's the ancient one. Because that's the other thing. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, Tilda Swinton uh, said that she wasn't sure if she's playing a man or a woman as the ancient one. Which is interesting. That's a really interesting dynamic. Maybe a genderless person somehow. Like, I don't... You know, it's supposed to be mystical, so anything's possible. Uh, I know you're not a super huge fan of Rachel McAdams. Um, I get her confused with other people kind of frequently, unfortunately. I'm not, she doesn't stand out in my mind. Um, it's a big eh to me at this point. Um, I just I just haven't seen a lot of range from her. She's in the new True Detective season, um, and she's not bad in it. Uh, she certainly looks good compared to Vince Vaughn, who's just fucking... <laughs> just destroying every scene. Uh, uh, by the way, tangent. Like Vince yeah. Vaughn can play one character well. Like the guy from do Swingers. Not cast, yeah, do not cast him to be anything else. Like let him be Swingers guy, and it'll you'll be fine. But yeah. anything else, and like it's not going to work. Um, Rachel McAdams. Um, yeah, but she's doing okay on that show. She's just oh. she's just kind of like she's just there. She there? She's just kind of there. I don't okay. know. Um, another. Can we move on? Or yeah, another? Let's, let's okay. Do it. Um, Edge, WWE superstar, former WWE superstar, the right? R-rated superstar, the R-rated superstar Edge uh, is going to be in the new, I believe, Flash. Was it Flash yeah. or Green Arrow? Flash. Flash as Adam Smasher, uh, which is funny because his real name is Adam, uh, though this is Adam spelled A O T A T O M. I I don't know what to expect from this, but being a wrestling fan. Um, I would say if you're going to get someone, if you're going to get a wrestler to be in, in your shows, I, I think you could do much worse than Edge. He seems like a guy who probably could pull off a role pretty well. Like, I don't yeah. know. I, well, I, I just get the he, sense he, he, he might be a good actor. You know, it's something you've spoken you've spoken to before. He definitely has the physicality for the role. Right. Um, he he was good on the microphone in wrestling when he was, a you know, a, a professional wrestler. Pretty charismatic and guy. Very, you know, I would say arguably very charismatic. Um, yeah. And there was a good run for him for about four or five years where he was kind of like the top guy right. uh, for them. Or, or at least he got a lot of TV time and he was on the mic a lot. So, um, you know, he had suffered a, a neck injury, uh, I believe, and he actually had to retire due to it. Um, but it's nice to see that he's found another avenue. Uh, it's, he's getting a chance. I mean, I think The Rock, or Dwayne Johnson, however you want to put it, has shown that it is definitely possible for wrestlers to transition from wrestling to acting because um, he's just killing it. I mean, everything The Rock does makes like $500 million now. And Batista. Um, I mean, and Batista, right. Galaxy, and now he's going to be in the James Bond movie. He's the, Yeah, he's like the, the henchman the, or one of the main villains. Um, so they're showing that that's possible. It's uh, 
you know, long gone are the days of Hulk Hogan in Suburban Commando. And oh, you mean uh, No Holds Barred? <laughs> or No Holds Barred? Yeah, that too. Yeah. Um, which is well, weird nothing. Cause... Nothing could happen to possibly tarnish the legacy of Hulk Hogan. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I haven't been. Per- I haven't been like reading the news lately. You know, so haven't been paying attention or anything. I would say I think I can comfortably say that uh, nothing will ever be worse in Hulk Hogan's career than having made the film The Holds Part. <laughs> right? I mean, you could you could say that. Right. Yeah, let's go on record. Um, there's There can't possibly be anything <laughs> Never. that's come out in the last couple of weeks that could have not at all. Um, all right, dude. Let's let's wrap up yep. uh, Casting Corner. One last thing. Michael Sarah as Robin. Oh, yeah. Lego. I totally uh, forgot about that. Uh Reunites can, him with uh, Will Arnett, right? Is he is he still doing Batman? Or yeah, do yeah. Well, I th- I'm pretty sure Will Arnett's still Batman. Right. So, so yeah. you got the whole the rest of development, rest of development. little rest of development alumni, and uh, I think I heard a rumor that Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill are going to reprise roles as Superman, Green Lantern, possibly in cameo. All right. For the Batman Lego Batman movie, um, so that's pretty cool. You've got the 21 Jump Street guys and the rest of development guys. Seems like good guys to have around. Um, love, uh, love Michael Sarah. A uh, big fan of his. I know his range isn't that great or anything, but I just kind of like what he does. Uh, he's going to be perfect as Robin. Like, oh yeah, his demeanor and cadence and delivery is like perfect for like a second fiddle guy. You yeah, know, who's like, yeah. I, I think it's going to work really well. I think me too. Funny, just a small tangent. Um, I went to Corpus a few weeks ago, and they had this. Corpus Christi for Corpus those Christi. non-Texans out there. Corpus Christi, sorry. Beach yeah. town in Texas. Uh, they have, yeah, they have a, an aquarium uh, there, a state aquarium. And they have a tank full of, like, these little uh, stingrays. And at one point, the stingray, and it's like, in a, like, a, like a glass, so you can totally, you know, see them uh, underne- underneath them and whatnot. And it came up to the glass, and it was, like, moving around like it's little gills. And I swear to you, I know this isn't going to make any sense, but the stingray looked like Michael Sarah, <laughs> like the way it was moving its gills looked like it was talking, and it looked like it was talking like Michael Sarah, like a, uh, uh, hey guys, uh, I just, I, I went to get, you know, I wanted to get some food, and I ended up in this tank, and I don't know what's going on. Uh, anyone know what's going on? Uh, I don't really think I'm supposed to be here, you know. Oh, okay. okay, but you know. Anyway, oh, I'm just, I'm gonna say this just to you once. You gotta lay off the drugs, dude. Do I have to? Well, no, but okay. if you want to not I hallucinate won't. that Stingrays or Michael Sarah, then yeah. It, so, I don't know. You, that sounds like it might be kind of fun. If you saw the... I wish I should have taken video. If you saw the way it was moving, it just moved like the way Michael Sarah kind of moves and talks. That's all I can say. Okay. You might uh, want to just tweet that at him. Just let him know. I'll let him know. If I can find a picture, I'll, I'll definitely send it to him. That'll yeah. be good. He'll like that. All right, so... I guess that is that it. We got any more for Casting Corner is being closed. Casting Corner. We'll visit you next time. All right, dude. The other really big news um, that's come out recently is that Netflix, champion of the awesome superhero television program daredevil yes soon to be daredevil season two daredevil's punisher is going to be releasing a slew of action-packed 
Marvel Adventures. Uh, Which the, we already uh, knew about, but we didn't really know like when all this stuff was going to be coming out. Right, right? so uh, you want to go ahead and take our loyal CBCU <coughs> oh, yeah. listeners so, out? The next show is going to be Jessica Jones, which we will be getting by the end of, by you know, before 2015 ends. Kristen and then Ritter. Netflix, mm-hmm. Kristen Ritter, yep. The uh, the B from Apartment 23, and she's also in uh, Breaking Bad. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Did that make you laugh? I just just calling her the B, like just Kristen Ritter the B, like if you just. If you she just was in that, that show. I, I know, but like it's just the way you paused. It sounded like you just said Kristen Ritter the B, like. I, well, I might just start calling her that. Um, oh Apartment twenty three. Um, anyway, the news was like Netflix said, "Okay, we're going to be coming out with new shit every six months," which is pretty badass. Because uh, then I guess in two thousand sixteen we'll get, and I'm not sure of the order, but we'll get Iron Fist and Luke Cage. Um, it's still kind of unclear when Daredevil season two is gonna gonna hit. Um, I get the sense that it's probably gonna hit before. Well, okay, let me just back up. Those three shows will come on and then we'll get a show called the defenders which will have those three characters and daredevil in it um now if if that's the case that we're going to get a show every six months and these these are the next four shows uh then it would make you think that we're not going to get daredevil until late 2017 which seems probably unlikely uh i have the sense that daredevil is probably going to come out daredevil season two is probably going to come out before we get to that defender series but I don't know. That's just my sense. I'm not really sure, but that well, seems more likely, right? I, I I agree. I think you're I think you're totally on point with that. The other great thing is is that I mean, even though Kevin Feige and there's a couple of other people at Marvel that kind of oversee everything, they have different showrunners. They have different producers and and uh, crew teams and all of that doing all of these shows. So they they can film them concurrently. Uh, it's not like you have to wait for one to finish shooting before you can start shooting another one. Uh, so, I, I, you know, I know that they're supposed to be coming out every six months, but I wonder, you know what I mean? Like, I wonder if they're going to actually stick really strictly to not releasing the show for every six months, or if that's just kind of their framework. I would get the sense it's the framework, yeah. Because, and here's the other thing. Let's say you're shooting, you know, because I know Luke Cage is going to be in the Jessica Jones show. Um, you can have him be in her show. You can have her be in his show, cameoing. Right. You can have Iron. F- if you're filming multiple shows at once, it's probably not that hard to like get actors to kind of hop around a little bit, depending on where you're shooting, of course. But yeah, right. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it's just cool. It's it's nice to see that that Marvel and Netflix have a plan. Um. And it looks like, of course, they're all working toward the Defenders as this kind of Netflix version of the Avengers. Yeah, totally. That's, multiple. That's, right. That's the blueprint here. It's essentially doing what they do with the Avengers, but in TV format. And it, hey, it worked yeah. brilliantly for them. If it, the, if it ain't broke. Yeah. If it ain't broke, right. man. Um, yeah. I mean, which, just real quick, which one are you looking forward to the most? I mean, I know we're getting a little bit more on Jessica Jones as we get closer to them you know, shooting and releasing that. Uh, but just of the of the three other characters that haven't been released, we got Jessica Jones, we've got Iron Fist and Luke Cage. What do you, which one are you most looking forward to? Well, if I'm being completely honest, it would be season two of Daredevil. But outside well, yeah. of those, uh, yeah. I would say Luke Cage. Just That's a known I, commodity. You're right, right. Uh, but Luke Cage to me seems, I mean, just me personally, like I just, I think it's going to be cool to see a show where you're going to have a black protagonist, uh, a comic book show. Um 
so that that in itself is going to be interesting and it'll see what it'll be interesting to see what kind of story they tell there how about yeah. you um yeah i'm gonna go with luke cage as well uh i'm really curious what they're gonna do with jessica jones though i had read an article earlier this week that said uh they're gonna make her a very multi-faceted character and very flawed like extremely flawed hmm. and i don't they would they didn't go into a whole lot of detail but like i don't know if that denotes like maybe a drug problem or like you know well, maybe that's she's smart. A i mean it's like uh, if, villain if, if you're first. right if you're doing like market research into like what female characters have really caught on with audiences i think you have to start with like harley quinn right i mean that's Right. probably the one that has gotten the most traction with female audiences and she is really flawed i mean she is a more well-rounded character than you'll find um female characters in the comic book world who are usually kind of cookie cutter one-dimensional mm-hmm. even more well-rounded uh, than a lot of her male counterparts as well right right yeah. so um i think it's smart to make a character who's not just some like you know either some one note saint one note you know, character or like the love interest or some guy um, to actually make her more, you know, to make her flawed and like be a little bit more relatable. And I, th- I think you have to do that because there's just not that many female characters out there that, that are that, you know, right. Uh, nuanced, you know, it's like, it's usually just kind of boring and bland and one note. On that note, just as a small tangent, I saw train wreck. Uh, recently, That's and right, yeah. and I'm not going to go into what I thought about the film because uh, it's not this show. But but I will say that that Amy Schumer's character and she wrote the film uh, is very much like that. <laughs> and so uh, Kevin Feige, if you're listening and you guys need help developing Jessica Jones into that kind of character, because it sounds like that's the direction you're going in, you should take a look at Amy Schumer. She did a really good job of writing a very nuanced and dynamic character with a lot of flaws. So, so that's all I'll say yeah. about that. Well, I think we need to get into Ant-Man. Mm, this might get be anti. the right... <laughs> I don't know if this is the appropriate way to, to start it off, but there was a, a female character in Ant-Man. Mm-hmm. Um, that, oh, and by the way, before we get going, uh, spoiler alert. It was Ant-May, be... right? Uh, what? <laughs> Aunt May? I was not expe- oh my god, I was I was not going there. But yeah, I forgot that uh, Aunt May does not show up in Ant-Man. That was a huge disappointment. Uh, okay. But before we get going, uh, spoiler, spoilers, uh, spoiler alerts, multiple, plural? Yeah, I don't we're know. covering We're definitely going to be talking about all like, over the film. plot points here. Uh, but uh, we have a, a, a female lead in it um, who ends up, at, by the end of the movie, uh, being revealed as essentially the new wasp um Mm -hmm. and uh we i mean a lot of people are kind of like on the fence about this character some some liked her some thought she was kind of one note um i'm kind of on on the side of thinking that if if this is all we ever see of wasp it's not the greatest thing in the world you know like she's Mm -hmm. just she's like the love interest and um you know she just kind of stands around being kind of angsty and has daddy issues as we'll we'll hear in a little bit Mm -hmm. um but as far as a like setting up a a kind of background or or a backstory for a character i don't think it's that bad it's like you know a a female character who's being held back who's clearly shown as someone who knows what she's doing in the movie kind of a badass and someone who's shown as actually being better than the paul rudd character in many ways 
um, to finally get the chance to kind of, you know, show what she can do in the future. Uh, I think there's a potential to tell like a good story overall. And I didn't think the depiction of, of her character was really all that bad. Could have been better. But anyway, um, wonder if you have any take on that. I mean, I think it's interesting that with Hope, uh, which is the character. Hope, I'm sorry. Yes, I've got the name wrong. No, no worries. Uh, I don't think I said the name. (laughs) No, you didn't say the name. Uh, With Hope, you've got in place now, if she's going to be Wasp, you've got the first uh, person who technically comes from superhero parents. You know, both of her parents are superheroes, and that's a unique thing. Um, You know, I... I like that she she actually was more of a badass than Scott Lang than Paul Rudd. Yeah, right. I mean, it, it wasn't even really close. Like she was way better at fighting and stuff than him. She was right. she was, you know, she was very um, diligent, she controlled and the smart. Much yeah, she was. Yeah. She, she proved that she was like better than him in pretty much every way. So right. that's that's interesting. At the same time, you know, they were really heavy handed with the daddy issue stuff, which. I mean, I get that that was the father-daughter dynamic. They were trying to parallel that between Scott and his daughter, Cassie, right? They're, right, right. You know, there's that parallel. I get it. This is really heavy-handed, uh, maybe a little sloppily written. But, um, I mean, I'm glad she exists as a character. I think moving forward, they can do a lot more with her. I think kind of what's telling is, you know, at that – the. Uh, end credit sequence right when they reveal the new wasp costume Mm -hmm. what literally the last line of the movie uh, of the actual ant-man movie at least and we'll get into the other part later is she says about damn time and and so she's taking a lot of control the last line of uh, ant-man is actually i got a guy but i mean if you know if you're gonna well but that's that that actually is from another movie though See what I'm saying? Oh, 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 oh. my God. You got me there. Oh, really. So, so but, yeah, okay. the la- the last line of Ant-Man proper is, you know, about damn time. And I think that that shows her taking what she, A, wants and what she thinks she deserves. Like, she, she's she's controlling things. And that's, that's a good way to set up a female character if you're going to, you know have her featured in other films later, whether it be Civil War or Avengers so, or whatever. Right, and she's not going to be in Civil War. I don't know if you read that. Um, she's not in it. Uh, so that's already kind of an issue because we know that Ant-Man's going to be in it. Um, so the question is, when do we really get the Wasp story? Do we ever get it? Um, and that's 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 the part of me that wonders, like, okay, this if this is really the Wasp story, then it's kind of disappointing. Um but anyway, this movie is not called The Wasp. It's called Ant-Man. <laughs> um, so <laughs> let's talk Let's talk about, uh, I guess, the movie in general. I I enjoyed it. Um, this definitely, of, of the Marvel movies, at least recent ones, um, played to me as probably the most kid-friendly. Uh, it was almost like a, like a Pixar movie, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, you, you brought up a good point. Or like the final, you know, the, even the fight scene takes place in like a little girl's room. <laughs> And, you know, you have the scene of the little girl feeding the, the giant ant and under the table. That that felt like very, like, Disney kind of cartoony movie. That was almost like right out of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids or something, yeah. Like. Yeah, right. And I, I thought of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids quite a bit in this movie. It's kind of hard not to. Um, uh, the effects, I thought, were really, really well done. Yeah. Um, kudos I, I, kudos yeah, to the, exactly. the effects team. They did a great I, job. 
Right. And I love the, I really do love the idea of having these like elaborate fight scenes on essentially like miniature sets. Um, to me, that's just, I liked it a lot because, you know, we're so used to watching these fight sequences take place in big cities, generally New York, where the mm-hmm. city gets destroyed. Right. And even though as a, as an audience member, you're, you're essentially being trained to not give a shit about the collateral damage. For me, it's kind of hard not to think about that stuff. Right. It's like, yeah. Uh, okay, I mean, it's cool and all. You're trying to save everyone, but like, like, thousands of people are dying right now, like every second. Um, so it's kind of fun to not have that thought in the back of your head as they're like beating each other up on this on you know like a playset. Like I, I thought that was cool. I thought that was a cool thing to do. With I I loved every time they did that. Like whether it was with the the Thomas the Tane or Tank Tank Engine, whatever the hell he's called. Um, the briefcase fight scene where they're inside the the briefcase. Oh man, with the Cure song. Oh, yeah, the Cure that, song is that was so good. That, I mean, in lesser hands, <clears throat> pixels. Uh, you could have taken a really great concept and failed it terribly, um, like some other films, Pixels, and yeah, right. Uh, they didn't which do you that. You haven't even here, seen yet. By which the way. I, I'm not going to see. I mean, there's only there's only certain circumstances under which I'm going to end up seeing that film, so we'll have to see. But uh, with Ant Man, especially with Edgar Wright leaving the project and then Peyton Reed coming on, Adam McKay temporarily, possibly directing. I, I was worried. I was worried that like they were gonna lose a lot there, and I have to give it to Peyton Reed. I, I, it's they he understood, or maybe maybe it was Marvel that told him. I don't know, but you know they understood the unique property that they had here, and they wanted to make the most out of it that they could in terms of showing like the weird fight scenes and these really odd places that you really couldn't do with other characters. Yeah, right. They did a great job of showing what Ant-Man's world is like, and I, I right. thought that was great. Yeah, I did too. And I, I mean, I thought some parts were... I mean, it's a comic book movie about a guy who shrinks to the size of an ant, so of course there's going to be some silly parts. But, like, mm-hmm. the, the part where they're, like, going through, like, old footage and they're, like, zooming in on the ant. <laughs> like, Hank Pym fighting. I was like, okay, yeah. this is, like, this is pretty dumb. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh... I still don't really understand, like, the physics behind Ant-Man. Like, it doesn't make much sense to me. It's like, how does he, when he's the size of an ant, how does he really, like, go in toe-to-toe with, like, a human-sized person? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Because it seems like when he's an ant, to be able to do that, he would also have to be almost like the Flash, in a way. You know, where he can, like, move around super fast. But then yeah. when you see him running as an ant, he just looks like he's just running at the pace of an ant. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I put think too much thought into this. I think there's, there's definitely like <laughs> physics questions about Ant Man that I don't understand. I think I think a lot of it is you got to suspend your disbelief a little bit and and uh, and maybe not think about it too hard. But yeah, I mean they explain the force of his punch. You know, like when he's right. training with Hope, she's like, "Look, when you're shrunken down, you still have all the 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 pound pressure behind your your hits, but it's condensed into a small point. So it's like." you have the ability to affect like damage in a much st- more dynamic way. She's I a get bit, that, but it's like, know, so he's like, also moving quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Time. No, I, I totally get that. And I think they tried to kind of explain that in that, like when he's running through the keyhole, cause he's right. running full size, then shrinking, then getting big again and kind of keeping the momentum. Right. So I think they tried to touch on it, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know if I want the film to to spend a lot of time 
trying to explain that because it's I, I agree i mean I it, it, it wouldn't have explanation for it and i'm sure that they went over that in their heads like how can we do this in a way that makes any kind of sense and they're just like you know what forget it and i think probably the best scene to illustrate this is the tank scene and uh you know we've <laughs> in, in in previous shows we've talked about like you know uh whenever like nerds have these conversations about like you know okay I, you know, how does the human torch even work? Like, how do, where do the flames come from? Like, what is, see the flames. what is the flames? Is see the flames? Stuff like that, where it's like very much like how does stuff work inside the comic universe? Um, and we came up with a with a I guess a title for it, or I don't even know what you would call it. Uh, called and again, if you have a better one, let us know. We're gonna go. This is the working title: Comic Conundrums. Comic Conundrums. Yeah, you apparently have to do a theme song for everything that we do on the show. Huh? It's I mean, fine. It's I free. Mean, it's free. That's true. We don't have to pay for that. Uh, Comic Conundrums, uh, episode one. How the fuck <laughs> do you? Okay. Yeah. Hank Pym has a a tiny tank. Tiny tank. <laughs> tiny, tiny tank, tank. on his keychain, and this yeah. was actually one of the better parts of the movie. I really like this part because um, they're like stuck in this building and. Um, Hope is like how we get out of here, and, and Hank Pym's like, you see that, you know that tank I have on my keychain? Yeah, it's not a. What does he say? It's he goes, not a. It's not a tank. No, it is a tank. No, it's not a keychain. It's not a keychain, right? It's, well, something it's like not, that. It's not a keychain. And then you're like, oh, badass! And then the next scene, you see the tank kind of crashing through the building. So my question is, if you okay, if you make that tank into a a, a real size tank. Mm-hmm. I would imagine you're you're having to be right next to it to to activate it, and if you're right next to that tank when it expands, when it expands, it is going to fucking like destroy you. Like you're just gonna like push you into the wall or run you over. So how? That's my question, I guess. How do you make that tank bigger without without dying? That's a good. That is a good question. I think you have to be in close proximity. I don't know that you need to be right up on it. Um, I imagine this is how I think it played out. Well, obviously, we don't see it in the film. Maybe there'll be a deleted scene or something. We can see what happens. Mm, right. But I imagine that they put the tank off in the corner somewhere of the room. It's a big room that they're in. So conceivably, I guess a tank maybe could have fit in there. I don't know. Right. Let's just say it could, though. Uh, they they got as far away onto the other side of the room as possible. Now, you brought something up off the air, which you thought... And I thought, well, yeah, that could work, is maybe there is something within the tank that you could activate to make the tank, you know, grow grow to normal size. Right. Like a, like a device, like a button or something that you could press. But then <laughs> you also brought up the idea that, like, well, if that's the case, you got to put that button in a place that you're sure you're never going to accidentally hit because... Yeah, like, except that brushes up against something. Yeah, if you're on the subway and you've got <laughs> your keys in your pocket and then you hit the button, like you just killed yourself and probably like 50 right. other people. If you're if minimum. you're at the DMV, I mean, good luck getting a license. Like that's just not happening after they're just, that point. They're you're just revoking it for the rest. Well, you'd probably be dead, but they would revoke your your license for sure. Well, then you'd be dead. Yeah. You'd be dead. Um, I thought because they showed this before, right? Whenever the ants, they're getting ready for the heist and they're setting up the ants with the explosives, they show Hank Pym, Dr. Pym, dropping the little red liquid on them so that the explosives will shrink down and fit on the ants. Okay, so what I think is they must have had a device of some sort that 
the red liquid is what shrinks things down. The blue liquid is what makes things big. They must have had to devise like a water gun type thing that has the blue, blue liquid in it, and then they shot the liquid onto the tank from a distance, safe distance, and then they got in the tank, and then that was it. Right. Um, though you have to have incredible aim to do that, right? I mean, if you miss and you hit like a floor tile, <laughs> doesn't that floor tile turn huge? Yeah. Does the I whole mean, floor turn huge? Yeah, that's kind of weird. Like, <laughs> And what about the gun that the liquid's in? That's a really good point. Like, And that actually brings me up to another, let's say this is Comic Conundrum 1B. Because, right. okay, you're right. Let's say it's in the in the water gun or whatever. How does the liquid not affect the water gun that it's in? How does the water gun not just become yeah. gigantic? Yeah. My yeah. other question to follow up on that is when... When Scott Lang breaks into the the safe for the first time, and he gets the suit and everything, you they show very quickly on the shelf. There's red liquid and blue liquid, and they're in these vials. They're in like these beakers, right. science science beakers and whatnot. How are those beakers not being affected by the liquid? Right. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Like maybe maybe for the liquid that uh, enlarges stuff, it's actually inside like a microscopic vial. So that when you put mm-hmm. it in there, it, it, it makes it big. You know, now that I'm thinking about it, I bet you there's another component beyond just... Well, no, because he drops the liquid and it shrinks the explosives. I was going to say, maybe there's like a gas or something you have to add to it. Yeah. And that's why the suit works the way it does. Um, and that's what keeps the liquid from enlarging and, and shrinking things down all the time. But... I'm pretty sure he just drops the liquid onto the explosives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, and they shrink There's a lot down. of questions. Hmm. There's a lot of questions and very few answers. And that's, way, why, that's why they're called comic conundrums. Right. By the way, were you surprised also that when Ant-Man went into that kind of netherworld, uh, what do you call it? Like, uh, Oh, uh, the quantum realm. The quantum realm. Um, he pretty much figured it out in like under a minute how to get back. That's pretty good. You know what, though? I think what helped him was that Michael... Uh, uh, Pena? No, not Pena. Michael What's, Douglas? Douglas. <laughs> Michael Douglas. Is, Dr. Pym's voice was so loud. Okay. Yeah. Don't mess with the regulator. The blue liquid makes things bigger. You know, if you had this booming voice just saying things to you... That's a good point. It probably wouldn't be that hard to figure out. That's what... That's what... That's what Hope's mom needed. She needed her husband's voice booming over like a loudspeaker to tell her, put the blue liquid in your regulator and get big again. Um, So can I, I do have another comic conundrum question, but it's not Ant-Man related. Should I save it? I would save it. Okay. Because this is actually from a listener. Oh, okay. It involves the character Storm. And I think you might know what it is. Do you want me to leave that for some other time? No, let's, we can leave let's it. save that. Let's save that. Let's save that. That's a good one. Okay. That's a good um, one. Let's save it. Uh, okay. So, yeah. All right. So, overall, I liked Ant-Man. Um, I thought it was good. I mean, it's like I said, it's like, it's very kid-friendly. Mm-hmm. I definitely didn't get the sense that, like, I don't know. There was definitely a bit of a disconnect for me between, like, the Avengers and Ant-Man, even though we get to see an Avenger in the movie. Um, oh, Mackie, who's really... I like Mackie, and I like that yeah, whole scene. I, I like thought that was good. I love Mackie. Um, yeah, I agree. I mean, here's the thing. I never expected Ant-Man to be Avengers, right? Or even, like, Iron Man. 
Like, I didn't expect it to be this really big superhero adventure, right? Right. I, I just thought it was this movie where Paul Hutt, Paul Hutt, Paul Rudd's going to be charming <laughs> and just kind of be all ruddy and, like, you know, he's going to do these really cool things where he shrinks down and the world's going to look really crazy. And, uh, you know, that's what I was expecting. Um, it's doing pretty well. It's made about $230 million worldwide. It's on the lower end, definitely, of all the Marvel films. I think it might even be if not last, like towards definitely towards the bottom at this point, but it's still, you know, it's still got a few more weeks to go. Um, it's made almost double its budget, which is, I think is what they always want to do. And, um, but, but, you know, the thing for the movie for me, and and I want to, I definitely want to know what your thoughts are. We have actually really haven't talked about this off the air. Michael Pena. Yeah. Stole every fucking scene he was in. He, he was so good. And so funny, yeah, he's awesome. And but the, you know what? Maybe, yeah, go ahead. Good. Well, because I've seen him in interviews and stuff, and when he's just talking like normal, he's such a low key guy. Right. He's like so low key. Like he's almost kind of hard to listen to because he's so like almost monotone in a way. And in this character, he's so lively and so hilarious. Um, just stole the show for me. Like every scene he was in was amazing. And, uh, I just wanted to know what you thought about Michael Pena. I like him a lot, but the thing, the thing is like, I've, I've seen him in a lot of stuff. I've seen him in observe and report. I seen him in Eastbound and down and he plays kind of a similar character. So for right. me, like seeing him in this movie, uh, felt very familiar. Like it didn't, it wasn't like, Oh wow, this guy's a revelation. Cause I feel like I've kind of seen it already. Yeah. <laughs> Which is yeah. not a bad thing. Cause he's really good at what he does. Um, uh, no, I, I thought he was hilarious and he makes me laugh, um, almost more than anyone. Um, like I, just something about his delivery. Like you can, it's his delivery and his facial expressions or non-facial expressions are so good. They're so good. Um, so, okay. Uh, one last thing. And we have, we actually have some audio to play you guys uh this week, um, from, uh, some of our female listeners. We were actually going to have three women on the show. Well, their audio. So this is going to be the first show where we actually have more women on the show than men. So that's kind of Yeah, cool. but good. But before we do that. Trailblazers. Let's get serious for a second. Yeah. I think we need to talk a little bit, and not to put too fine a point on this, but maybe a little bit about how, I guess, the role race plays in Ant-Man. I read a story on Vice, actually, about mm-hmm. basically making the point, like, Ant-Man should have been black. And on the surface, the point seems kind of racist. It's like, well, the guy's like, you know in jail and like and like disproportionately there's more that's it that's the whole hispanic. argument for the article yeah, right. he's in jail like black and hispanic people are in prison way more you know disproportionately disproportionately more than than white people but it, it the article is and if i mean on on that on the surface it's really not much of an argument it's kind of silly like you can also see like marvel casting a black person and people being like okay what like the one guy who's in jail, you gotta he's gotta be a black guy. Like you know how that could be perceived as racist, right? So right. there's kind of two sides to this. But the article does kind of go into some interesting stuff about you know how Scott Lang is really portrayed as a guy who is in jail, but really for like um, white collar crime. White collar crime, but also he's seen as kind of like a, almost like a Robin Hood character, right? He like mm-hmm. steals from this evil corporation and gives money back to people who got screwed over. Uh, but then he's like. He's in this crew with like a Mexican dude, a black guy played by T.I. who's really good in it. Actually, yeah, T.I. was really playing. good. Yeah, 
and uh, like an Eastern European guy, which I don't remember the actor's name, but he's been in stuff too. Yeah, that um, guy's a big comic book fan, by the way, like huge right. comic book fan. But these guys are really just portrayed as just kind of like generic criminals, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, or like, you know, like there's really nothing to what they do except just robbing shit. Uh, and Lang is really like shown as the guy who is kind of morally superior to these Right, and I don't. Well, know. Like I, I, said, I think I, I think, right. but I I think they balance it with his daughter, and he even talks about like wanting to be reformed because of his daughter. He like says, you know, I had a lot of time to think when he was in prison for three years. I had a lot of time to think, and I I want, you know, I want to be better. I want to be part of her life. That whole kind of thing. No, whereas, I get that. I mean, they don't I give guess... the other criminals any kind of family backstory, so we really don't know. Well, that's true, but that's that that's kind of gets to the heart of the issue. Yeah, right? and I'm, yeah. I'm, this is not this is just something I read, and I'm not trying to make too much of an issue here. Because oh, stir end, that pot, this, man. <laughs> well, in up. the end, right? This is a comic book movie, and of, of all the comic book movies, this is like the most kid friendly one. This is not the kind of movie where we're really going to see a whole lot of social commentary. And really, frankly, I don't know if we really want it in a kind of movie like this. This is the kind of no. That's you know, that's for Black Panther, probably. That's for Black Panther, or you know, or like a good documentary or something that you can really spend time talking about. Uh, racial inequality in this country but the one other thing i got to bring up though what's up with falcon dude i mean the guy gets played by captain america which kind of makes sense as captain america is definitely higher on the hierarchy chain and now he gets played by ant-man like he keeps being made a fool and like on top of that you got war machine who like in the last avengers movie was basically the joke was that like all of his stories were like lame essentially like he's just not as cool as the rest of the avengers (laughs) so like what's up with like What's up with the two black Avengers are just like they they're just constantly being shown as like being less than the other Avengers. Answer yeah, me that. Alfred. That's a cool, that's a good one, man. I don't that is um uh yeah, yeah I don't know, man. Uh that's that's a good point. I guess we'll have to see what Luke Cage does. Like I guess if Daredevil just constantly beats the crap out of Luke Cage, then we really know there's a problem. <laughs> yeah. There's a big issue there. There's um, a big issue um, well there's other stuff in that article and um honestly like it actually got like torn apart in the cre- in the comments section <laughs> so like, people actually seem to hate that article but i thought it was kind of interesting as it's well a good talking point i mean yeah. I, I, obviously sometimes people take these 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 conceits and these concepts a little too far like they're like oh what about this and then they extrapolate it to a, a point of ridiculousness but um you know it is something to keep in mind you know Every time somebody does get cast in any comic book movie, uh, race and or gender is is talked about, no matter oh, what. And on that subject, I want a uh, quick shout out to uh, one of our listeners, Christine, who pointed out to us that mm, yeah. in the Suicide Squad movie, uh, there actually is a Hispanic character uh, played by Jay or Jay Hernandez, right. uh, El Diablo. Uh, who plays El Diablo? We did not catch that on the show, and that's good to know. We always talk about how there's no, <laughs> there's Thank no Hispanic. You. Thank you, fans, character. for keeping us honest. Um, yeah. Speaking of, and, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, please. I was gonna say, speaking of Christine, um, she actually sent us some audio this week. Uh, I asked her to uh, give us a quick little review of Ant Man, what she thought of it, um, and she sent us a little clip, which I'm gonna play now. If that's cool with you. Sounds great. So, okay, this is uh, Christine from Boston. Uh, Let's hear your take on Ant-Man. Ant-Man, honestly, the trailers didn't really do a great job of introducing the movie and making it a movie that you wanted to be excited about. Um, I actually went because my friends encouraged me to give the Marvel movie a shot. 
and it turned out being really good. Paul Rudd did a great job at being an interesting Scott Lang. Uh, Michael Douglas, well, for the most part, was a badass Dr. Pym. Um, definitely putting the whole with great power comes great responsibility, and sometimes you have to take the responsibility away from people who would use it for the forces of evil. And it was good that they connected it to Hydra and see like how that kind of plays along with it. But in the same in the same sense, this could have all been a Marvel Agents of Shield episode and covered just as much. Um, it's because Ant Man and Hope, who is gonna play the Wasp, and um the introduction of Doctor Strange all are gonna play into, you know, Marvel's Avengers Civil War, that they made a movie out of this. But my main thing is that, honestly, had this come out during the Phase 1 with Iron Man, Thor, Incredible Hulk, this really wouldn't have been much of anything. It would have been swallowed up and, and definitely, you know, for Ant-Man reference, uh, shrunk to practically nothing. Um, it was a great movie, definitely, you know, the appearance of Falcon and the Ant-Man Falcon battle and seeing that, you know, Falcon can measure up to an Avenger. Again, Ant-Man joke, but I'm bumped. Um, but at the same time, I really just remember, you know, Paul Rudd as Ant-Man being adorable, the fight, and Stanley at the end, and the two introductions to, uh, Civil War. So this was kind of like a bridge going into Civil War. Uh, I don't think it would have really stood out on its own. I don't think I'm definitely going to add it to my Marvel movie collection. And the last thing I want to say about Ant-Man is... You know, hope is okay, but, you know, for a strong female lead, she really didn't say anything. All she did was scowl and kind of have a lot of daddy issues. And, um, yeah, I just, I wish she would have been a stronger character because she's going to play Wasp. And they do allude that, you know, her mother might be alive, that Jane might come back from the Doctor Strange dimension. So we'll see how that all plays out. But... Thank you again for the opportunity to review Ant-Man, and yeah, um, I do recommend that everyone take their family to go see it. It's a great family-friendly movie, but in the franchise as a whole, how it measures up, meh, not as impressive. All right, bye. All right, dude. Uh, you know, first thing I do want to say is, like, you can you can tell that we're two dudes during, doing this Yeah, I was thinking the same thing, yeah. We're, we're 56 minutes in, and neither one of us has mentioned how adorable paul rudd is in it man <laughs> that's not what i was going with but yeah <laughs> yeah he is he's totes adorbs uh, uh if this was two women they would have brought it up by now because as i've learned in my life paul rudd is basically like catnip to women uh the guy is just i mean he's delicious he's, he's fucking he's adorable uh and he's he, he was really good in this um my wife in particular is a huge fan um, i think we'll get to maybe here later yeah. uh um, actually when you see shirtless paul rudd i think she just goes mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. oh I, I don't doubt it anyway where uh, were you going with that or where, where did you think i was well, going? no i was gonna say is that uh, especially at the end on christine's take there uh she's talking about hope and how she kind of saw hope you know the one thing is we are two guys doing a, a podcast and we're not women we didn't grow up as women and so on <laughs> so so you know i think certain things stick out more you yeah. know, kind of how, like, we're like, we don't ever see Hispanic people anywhere in the, in the film. Even though there actually was one, we totally missed it. Um, I do want to give credit where credit's due, by the way, because earlier in the show I said that Hope has daddy issues. I really only got that. Uh, even though, I mean, it, yeah, I, 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 
I got that from watching the movie, but that was really from hearing Christine and her yeah, friend. Yeah, she brought it to the forefront. It, it really, yeah. uh, so it's just, that just shows you that these films, they're all viewed through different lenses, right? Depending on who's watching them. And, and I think it's, it's, I'm really glad that we have, uh, we have a couple, you know, a couple of other female voices that we're going to have in just a second. Uh, a couple of other things I wanted to touch on. I love that she dropped the Spider-Man quote. With great power comes great responsibility. Uh, yeah. It's great, of course. Right. Of, course of course, you will love that. Yep, yeah. yep. Uh, I like how she makes an allusion to the Doctor Strange pocket universe with the quantum realm. They very well could be the same, and that actually wouldn't be a bad way of, of maybe trying to bring Doctor Strange in. I think that's a I, really interesting connection, and yeah. I think she's onto something there. That's Yeah, I didn't think about that when I saw the movie, actually. Um, so that was, yeah, that was a really good point. And you could totally see that coming into play with the Definitely. And then the other thing was that I, and, you know, I'm really glad she brought it up, was that Ant-Man was originally supposed to be a phase one movie. It was supposed to come out a long, long time ago. It's been in development for like 10 years or something. So it was supposed to come out like around Iron Man 1. And the way the movies were done then, I mean, we're talking eight years ago versus now or seven, eight years ago. Very different. They didn't have this huge like universe to deal with and all that. And um, Ant Man exists the way it exists now because of all of the films that come before it. There's all these nods to the Avengers and you know all this stuff. And uh, and I think she's right. I, I think that the film the way it is wouldn't or couldn't have existed or succeeded if it had come out around Iron Man one. It would have had to have been a totally different film. Yeah, it's a really good point. I think actually, uh, even though it wasn't necessarily planned, um, I think the timing of it's actually perfect. It's I right know. between phase two and three, mm-hmm. and it's like right where you want. It's a good it. bridge. Yeah, it's a great it's a bridge. bridge. It's a bridge. It's a bridge. Um, so okay, more audio from some of our female listeners. Uh, this one comes from Divya, which is uh, another one of my friends, another one of Christine's friends. Uh, she's got she's got also a, a take on hope that's. Um, Similar to Christine's, a little different, but uh, let's hear what she's got to say. Uh, When Ig first asked me what I thought of the movie, I thought it would be awesome if I could just send along a clip of Mac and Me, which is the movie that Paul Rudd always references when he goes on Conan and instead of his actual um, movie. And I think that the first trailer for Ant-Man kind of as a joke was the Mac and Me trailer. Once again, it's always this clip of this kid falling over a cliff in a wheelchair and this really ugly alien kind of pops up out of the screen. Um, So unfortunately, I couldn't make that happen because I'm not quite technologically advanced. So you're just going to get a review of Ant-Man. What I thought about the movie was that it was a really fun, light, goofy film. I think that... If Guardians hadn't come along before, it would have been uh, very different. It would have been a departure for the Marvel franchise. But, you know, Guardians came along and sort of paved the way for a goofy, lovable, anti-hero type hero. Um, And Paul Rudd really brought his personality to the movie. I don't think that it would have been quite as fun without him. In fact, I had had basically had zero expectations for for the movie beforehand, I had never uh, read the comics, didn't know any of the backstory. So, I when I first heard about Ant Man, this basically this tiny little dude who fights evil, uh, I didn't understand how the concept would work. But Paul Rudd made it work, uh, and I loved his little touches. Like I loved 
his little Antony, his second in command. Um, I think the scene where Antony dies is uh, is really sad. Um, the other characters, I think that Hope was one of the better drawn female characters in Marvel movies. Um, you know, she actually fought. She was a tougher chick than than say Pepper, but I felt like you know she just was there. She didn't, I can't remember her really ever speaking in the movie. Um, all I really remember about her is that she had the same shitty haircut as the girl from Jurassic Park, which I guess is just how business ladies are in movies now these days. And she, I'm excited for her to take on the role of Wasp, and I hope that she gets to be a meteor character in, you know, whether it's like future Ant-Man or Civil War, or whatever movie she's going to appear in, I hope that she actually gets to talk and has more lines because all I can think of from this movie is just her scowling and having daddy issues, which of course was attractive to Ant-Man because, you know, he's been in jail and he's got a daughter and clearly she's going to have daddy issues, so kind of full circle there. Um, but on the whole, Ant-Man was fun. I mean, it's it's something that I, I would recommend to other people, but not something that I'm necessarily going to be seeking out, um, you know, on DVD. All right, dude. Uh, that was Divya. Thanks, thanks, thanks Divya, Divya and Christine, yeah. both you guys, for, for sending those in. I love... <laughs> I love the comparison with Jurassic World. Uh, yeah. It's totally true. It's the same haircut. Uh, Divya had like a great takedown of that movie. Um, you know, the, the, the female lead. Oh, right. Her on, on her uh, her it, blog, right? Yeah. She running around like, in uh, high heels the whole movie, uh, yeah. which is pretty ridiculous. Um, anyway, I think from, you know, from listening to both of them talk about it, you, you can see that, um, you know, Hope might not have been the character that, that they and, and, and we wanted, um, but that in a way she is still... In my mind, at least, uh, a step forward for, for yeah, maybe a, a step in the right direction, but not a leap. Yeah, maybe like a little ant step, like a little, little tiny ant. Yeah, a little ant. She probably used the little uh, transmitter and just moved them, just mint, just a little, <laughs> just a little bit. Um, yeah, we I lo- brought up Anthony. I thought that was good. Oh yeah, know. we I, didn't talk about Anthony. I liked yeah. Anthony a lot. Um, I don't know. I think they could have built that up a little more of like maybe have some scenes where he's like bonding with Anthony. They didn't like, really do that a whole he lot. He fed him the water drop. I mean, but that was it. That was it. It would have been cooler to have like, you know, like maybe Anthony gets injured and Paul Rudd's like nursing him back to health and then, yeah. he, then he dies or something like that. Or then maybe, like uh, well, you know what? You know what I think they should have done? They just didn't, because it actually happened in the film, but the way they shot it, Peyton Reed, I think, kind of dropped the ball here. When Paul Rudd or Scott Lang passes out and falls off Antony. Right. And he's just like falling. The next scene is him in the bed. So obviously Antony saved him. Yeah. But right. we didn't see that. So if you just showed Antony saving him. That's yeah, it's a whole nother that, scene of them bonding and like the connection being even <laughs> like, deeper, right? Like yeah. it would take two seconds to show that scene. Like just to show that. It happened. God damn it, you're right. Yeah. Well, uh, missed well, opportunity. Like a, Peyton Reed is he did a good job. I Payton Reed was in a, an impossible situation here because everything good about the film, I'm pretty sure people are like, oh, Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright wrote that. Or Edgar Wright. That's all Edgar Wright, right? And then right. anything that everyone didn't like was like, oh, that's Peyton Reed. <laughs> like, yeah. it was pretty, he was in a tough spot. But I really do honestly feel like he dropped the ball there. Like, I think if 
that would have been a perfect opportunity to to strengthen the bond between Antony and. Um, you know, we, who we haven't mentioned is uh, Michael Douglas's Hank Pym, um, you know, who was, which is, w- uh, the funny thing to me was like, I, the last Michael Douglas movie I watched was him playing Liberace. Oh, the um, Behind the Calabra? Behind the Calabra, which is a great movie. I recommend it. Uh, but like Michael Douglas still kind of like talks like Michael Douglas. Like even if he's doing an accent, it still kind of sounds like him because he's mm-hmm. just got a really... Uh, distinctive distinctive voice um so hearing him as hank pym i just kept thinking like (laughs) i kept getting flashbacks to liberace which was kind of a weird i kept getting flashbacks to wall street so yeah well especially Uh, in the beginning right when they make him look really oh my god was that like okay so there's a ton of great special effects in the film like really this is this is i i know that divi and christine were like i'm not going to add it to my you know video collection um if you have a really nice tv and like set up yeah it would like, look this awesome is a on there, great right? film to showcase like a lot of cool stuff uh not 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 the least of which is that opening scene set in 1989 right and they do a couple of little knots yeah. some other the other marvel films but they man with the special effects that they did they de-aged michael douglas to michael douglas circa 1989 and it's pretty flawless like yeah it looks pretty good it doesn't look bad it doesn't look distracting it just looks like that was hey it's michael douglas from wall street like it's i I was i was impressed i gotta say and and there was like a lot of really funny lines in it i mean i thought it was actually a pretty funny movie i was laughing all the way through uh Mm -hmm. but (laughs) and maybe this i don't know why but like the line that made me laugh the most was when that guy asked michael douglas hey man like how's your suit going or whatever And, and michael douglas just goes How's, How's your, your face? face? How's your face? I like, I like popped oh. up like my drink. I was, I laughed so hard at that. I line. think the reason you laughed at that is because that's how you and I talk. Like, right. But it like, was still really kind of, funny. But yeah, no, it was really good. Um, any other, okay. So I have one last bit of audio to play, but I wonder yeah. if you have any last bits to hit here on Ant-Man before we go into it. Uh, well, there are some quick, quick hits. Do you want me to do them now or do you want to do it after the last audio bit? Oh, up to you. You want me to play the audio? Go ahead and play the audio, and all then right. we'll just wrap it up with the quick bits, because mine are more like little trivia bits that I found out about. Okay, all right. Well, I promised you guys three female voices on this podcast. You're getting you've already three. Heard from two. Yeah, you've already heard from two. The third one is my wife, Alicia. Uh, I went to go see Ant-Man with her, and um, I asked her if she would be willing to give a quick little review of the movie afterwards. I actually did like a, 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 a an interview uh, an interview style kind of uh, back and forth. And uh, this real, is us. Basically real quick, once we got yeah. before you let that go, um, is she a fan of Paul Rudd at all that you're aware of? <laughs> I think this is going to answer that question okay. pretty emphatically. Um, okay, you ready to go? Yeah. Oh, and before I play this, I should say that my wife uh, does not actually watch comic book movies, so uh, she was a bit lost at, in, in parts of this movie, uh, which I think will be evident uh, when you listen to this. Okay, um, I'm here with uh, my wife, uh, Alicia, and we just watched Ant-Man, um, 8 o'clock showing, AMC Theaters in Boston, uh, snuck in two flasks, um, but not buzzing, because we didn't pregame, but a little, maybe a little bit. Um, so let's just start with, okay, we watched the movie, it's over, we're home now, just kind of like, first question, what'd you think, what'd you think of the film, Alicia? I really liked it. I enjoyed it. Had lots of fun. It was great. Okay, that's good. That's a good start. Um, 
What did you What did you like about this movie? Um, like, what do I like best about it? Um, okay, yeah, we can go there. Or like, I guess, what were you expecting, and did it did it surpass your expectations? Okay, I'm gonna be completely honest. Yeah, I was expecting to find Paul Rudd really attractive, right? And I found him really, really attractive. Okay. So it delivered on that, and. I'd kind of heard about the effects and that it was really good and that overall was really good. So I kind of went in thinking it would be good and it was great. I thought it was good. I mean, you know, it wasn't like the best movie I've ever seen or anything, but that was really fun. I enjoyed it. So, okay. How much of your enjoyment of Ant-Man was because of Paul Rudd? Like if you had to put a percentage on it. (laughs) Probably like 75%. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Okay. So, okay. It's just yes or no. (laughs) If this, if Ant Man was played by James Vanderbeek, would you have enjoyed Ant Man? Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's basically it's just Paul Rudd well, is what you're telling yeah, me. James Vanderbeek, I'm not a fan of James Vanderbeek, so yeah. Well, okay, but what if he like acted the hell out of that role? Would you have enjoyed it? No, I think his face is really annoying. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, what do you think about the scenes where um, uh, Ant Man infiltrates uh, the Avengers headquarters. Was that pretty cool for you to see him fight against Falcon? <laughs> You're setting me up. No. no, no, this is a legit question. I had no idea who Falcon was. <laughs> I saw the A, and I thought I thought the A looked kind of familiar, but I had no idea what was happening in that okay. scene. It, it was obvious that the audience was supposed to get it because they didn't explain anything, and yeah, I was in the dark. Fair enough. Um, Let's talk about the post-credit sequences. What do you think about that bombshell at the end when um, Captain America was talking to Falcon and they had Winter Soldier um, trapped there? And they said, and they had you know that little comment, they had a little conversation. Should we talk to Tony? No, I have a guy. I mean, that was pretty. That was pretty groundbreaking stuff. What do you think about that? I mean, my mind was blown. I couldn't even believe they went there. I was just, I couldn't, I w- didn't expect it. Right. Just kidding. I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> if you had to, I mean, if you. If someone asked you, like, what do you think of Ant-Man, and, like, they didn't know anything about it, would you recommend it to them, or what, what, what would you tell them? I'd say, yeah, I'd recommend it. It's fun, especially with the 3D. It's great. Yeah. That's right. We did watch it in 3D. Mm-hmm. And it was funny. Like, um, the like the pacing was really, like, funny. Like, the moments where they put humor in there, I thought it was really good. Like, it didn't take itself too seriously. I appreciate that. All right. There you go. That was Alicia's take on Ant-Man. Thank you for doing that. You're welcome. The favorite part of that interview for me was when you very pointedly, yeah, with a, with a lot of knowledge too. I, I have to admit, Thank you you threw the what did she think about the second uh, trail uh, end credits sequence? Oh, post yeah, yeah, the post credit sequence, <laughs> and she was just like, oh yeah, I was blown away, and then she was like, no, I'm just kidding, I don't know, I have no idea what any of the stuff you just said was, but here's the thing, I mean, we are doing of course a comic book podcast. And we're we're comic book fans, and we 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 like watching all these movies and stuff. And I like, you know, getting ready when they come out. I get excited. But we we know we both have families and friends and stuff that aren't into this stuff, and yeah. and sometimes they get dragged along. <laughs> and that's that's everybody. That's all the comic book fans out there. Everyone's got someone in their life that isn't into this fandom, and that's cool and that's fine. But it's really interesting to see it from their perspective. Where oh, they're totally, just yeah. they're just seeing kind of all of these things happen with no real context. Yeah, yeah. That's really interesting as a concept to me, um, especially because like the Avengers thing. Really, there is 
like for someone who does has never seen the Avengers, there's no context there. It's just like you're supposed to know that that's the Avengers headquarters. Um, yeah. Yeah, they, they uh, anyway. do no exposition for it. Can I just uh, say, by the way, uh, and I know we disagree on this, but uh, I enjoyed the Wasp post-credit sequence. The second post-credit sequence, weak sauce, dude, in no. capital letters. Strong in, sauce! With, in capital letters with the probably strongest, like 10 explanation, explanation oh my points God. after it. The strongest weak sauce. The strongest sauce possible. It's like no. super sriracha. It's super sriracha sauce. It's terrible. No way, dude. You want me to talk? Okay. Okay. It's just... Okay. Two guys in the corner no. talking. Oh, no, no. Yeah, and you know why? You know why? Because what we got in that sequence is actual footage from Civil War. That Who whole the sequence, fuck? dude, is okay. from the movie Civil War. It doesn't matter. It doesn't we matter. We just got a first movie. look at Civil War on the matter. big screen. That's not. I don't want that first look. Okay, if you're gonna give me a first look of a movie, give me something impressive. Don't give me like some scene that nobody's gonna fucking remember, of like two dudes in the corner talking. There's like, there's plenty of shots from this movie that are gonna be not memorable in any way. Well, and they that, had that. They had to relate it to Ant Man, and that was the kind of you know I know a guy. But here's the other part where that's really and actually I really want to get into this more when we get closer to like Civil War and stuff, but. I have a theory as to why that scene is so important because I think it sets up to a larger point why Steve and Tony are on opposite sides of the, I don't remember what they call it in the movie, something Accords. Okay, yeah. The Seclovia Seclovia Accords (laughs) or whatever. Uh, It's essentially the Superhero Registration Act in the comic book. Right. But I think that scene speaks to a much larger point as to why Steve and Tony are on opposite sides. I will get into that teasing it in a future podcast. Okay. Um, but, okay, but we're I, going I, too long, dude. I think, I think that that was, a, I thought it was a very important scene. I thought it was really cool that we got to see just a tiny bit of civil war. Uh, I know it wasn't like, it was kind of boring in a sense, but it was still cool that we got to see a, a small glimpse of the film that's how far along they are in making Civil War. That's really cool that they're already that far along. I'm not, I, wanted... I guess, against it. I just, I came into that movie with the thought that, like, okay, this movie might not be great, but I heard these post credit sequences are fucking awesome. And then they happened, and I was like, what Well, the fuck? I think in a way we're also getting spoiled a little bit because they're introducing a new Wasp. That's pretty good. That's pretty big. You have a whole new superhero character entering the fight at some point in the future. Right. That's pretty big. I mean, you know, it's a first appearance. It's kind of cool. Um, yeah, that was cool. But like, I, I don't know. People were talking about the post credit sequences. Like they were amazing. I don't know if you remember that. We did a whole show on like, yeah, yeah, not yeah. a whole show, but we talked about how they were like Segment. game changing and like, they yeah. were like really badass. And I just did. Not I'll touch that. on the, I'll touch on the civil war one later. Uh, Cause I do think it is game changing a little bit. I wanted to end the podcast. If you don't mind on some quick little, Kind of like trivia hits related to Ant-Man that I found little out. An, little ant size? Little ant bites. Okay. Make it quick because we're already yeah. like way over oh, sketch. Oh, I know. It's cool. Uh, Ewan McGregor was originally in the running to play Scott Lang, Ant-Man. He was one like of that. the finalists. Uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who of uh, Scott Pilgrim fame, and she was in oh, one yeah. of the Die Hard films. I'm a, I like her a lot. Loved her as Ramona and Scott Pilgrim. She was actually going to be the Wasp. There was she was in talks, and then something happened, and then it didn't. I so Ramona kind of already has the hair, right? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, maybe she's a little youngish for the role, yeah. but 
I would really like to see her in that role. Um, so here's a really funny thing. I think a lot of our fans are going to like this. In an interview at Comic-Con, Peyton Reed said that Marvel originally wanted Steve Buscemi for the role of Dr. Hank Pym. Oh, that would have been amazing. And the only I could and I could totally see that. Yeah. You could totally see that. Uh, but due to a scheduling conflict, they had to go with Michael Douglas, who was their immediate second choice. Okay. Um, uh, Joseph, Gordon, Joseph Gordon-Levitt uh, was also considered by Marvel Studios for the Scott Lang Ant-Man role. That uh, wouldn't have been as good. I like Paul Rudd in it. I think that that... And clearly the women agree. Uh, he, has, <laughs> he has quite a, a following that I wasn't really aware of until this movie. Um one last thing, and this is the last thing I want to talk about. Uh, all of the, the Michael Pena stuff, all of the, the Luis scenes where he's, like, telling the story and narrating. Oh, yeah. And it's, like, talking through the other characters. It's really clever, really funny. They do it twice in the film. Really well done. I for sure thought those were Edgar Wright-written scenes. Yeah. They are not. Peyton Reed wrote those. Cool. With Paul Rudd. I thought they were Edgar Wright for sure, and they weren't. So that was pretty uh, uh, impressive to me and astounding. All right, are we, is that it? Are we done with Ant-Man Yeah, that's Max? it. That's all the uh, ant bites I got for you. Well, dude, I think we've covered pretty much Ant-Man top to bottom. Top to uh, bottom, left to right. I don't know what else you could want. But if you guys uh, have a hot take to give us about Ant-Man, uh, send it our way, and uh, we'll try and play it in the next podcast. Uh, but until then... Everyone the balcony is super. closed. The balcony. The what? The what? <laughs> Everyone stay super. All right, guys. Catch you next week. <laughs> <laughs>